Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regressing to the mean since 2015, it's the Hockey PDO Cast with your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO Cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and uh, joining me is my good buddy, Chris Johnson. Chris, what's going on, man? I am fairly pumped today, as I'm sure you are, with U.S. Thanksgiving, as yep. uh, we're both closet football nerds in addition to being hockey nerds. Yeah, I, I mean, and Cowboys fans at that, so I'm sure everyone is uh, just vomiting inside their own mouths right now. I mean, uh, it's 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 funny because I, I generally don't like to talk too much about football, especially online, just because you know people stick to hockey and all that stuff. But right. it's like it's like one of those things where I've been trying to dig up proof that I've actually been a Cowboys fan during the past few miserable years, just so it's not you know, oh well, of course you're a Cowboys fan now that they're one of the best teams in the league. Well, I own a Tony Romo jersey that no longer fits, so that's uh, my, my best uh, proof that I've been on board for a little while. Yes, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, so I, I knew I had to have you on because whenever there's something going on in the league that's generating serious discussion and buzz and, and, and warrants an inside man with a scoop, uh, you're the go-to guy for the Hockey PDO cast. So I'm uh, obviously talking about all the stuff going on with the, with the Vegas Golden Knights, and I feel like there's a, a lot for us to unpack here. There is. It's been uh, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. A lot of happenings and, and GMs getting a better sense of the expansion draft. Obviously, Vegas now has a name and an identity, and you know I think there's a lot of focus in every front office on you know how to best prepare for this expansion draft and you know try to limit uh, your exposure, I guess, in, in terms of losing a good player. Well, it's feeling much more real now just because obviously we have the logo and the name to visualize. So it kind of, you know, we can attach that to the whole concept of it. But also the, the fact that NHL sent out a list of uh, of exempt players, which is, I think, 66 names long that you uh, wrote about yesterday. So it kind of also provides us with uh, another point to work off of just figuring out which guys actually will need to be protected and won't and, and how that'll work. Yeah, and you know the the one thing I think people have to understand about this that maybe haven't delved into it much is that it wasn't a it wasn't a straightforward call. I mean, certainly in some cases it was. Some players just have a full no move clause. There's there's nothing sort of tricky about the language in their contract, and those those players always knew they were going to be protected, and they're on that list. But there were a number of guys around the league that 
uh, have no moves that either change over the course of their deal or weren't written as airtight as some others. And, you know, individual rulings had to be made uh, between the NHL and NHLPA in, in looking at those deals and discussing, I guess, what the precedent is, what the spirit of the contract was, and whether they would be protected. And, there, you know, there was a couple, I would say, minor surprises, small surprises among both guys that were included on the list and, and a few that weren't. Yeah, yes, definitely. Well, and, and the other thing to note that I think is going to be fascinating sort of shaping how all this is going to turn out is that you know obviously we still have the rest of this season and the trade deadline in particular and I think while the trade deadline always has a, a an appeal to it and a bunch of interest surrounding it this year especially we'll just it'll be fascinating to see which teams kind of you know just go you know what we have a chance to win the cup this year and let's try to do it and you know if that means losing a player uh this summer that we'd like to keep moving forward well that's kind of the price of doing business or if a lot of teams are going to be kind of nervous about that and will view the expansion draft on the horizon and make moves accordingly just so they can sort of finagle protecting everyone they really want to yeah and you're right and i think that we're going to see a lot of strange deals or, or deals when you first see them flash across your twitter account or, or wherever you learn about them that don't make a lot of sense and and in the wider context of the expansion draft they will and you know there will be a little bit of time i guess after the stanley cup is handed out and before june 17th when the teams have to submit their protected list so so you might st- still see a few moves that happen just before the expansion uh, draft begins but you know i think a lot of teams have march 1st more circled as when they want to have their house in order and and you know really knowing which players that they're going to expose and as i mentioned you know there's a few cases where teams i think are going to have to make moves to to really make sure they're not losing uh, something for nothing that that they really value in, in this process so you know it, it's what i guess about 10 weeks give or take until the trade deadline and and as i mentioned i the gms were in toronto last week and there's already a lot of talk about this a lot of strategizing going on about how how best to have your team positioned to make sure that the expansion draft doesn't hurt you too much are you like preemptively like loading up on your sleep just because you you can you can forecast on the horizon that you you won't be getting much during that period I'm trying to, but, you know, I'm sure, like, for everybody who loves it, like we do, it's so hard to get sleep during the season. I mean, uh, there's just games all the time, and I don't know. This is the best best life there is for me. So yeah. uh, I always try to get my sleep where I can, but it's, it's pretty few and far between till the summer. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's go over the quick kind of ground rules just so we make sure everyone's on the same page. So basically, uh, Vegas is going to have to fill between $43.8 and $73 million worth of cap space. Uh, they must select one player from every team. Uh, they can't buy out any any guy that they, that they wind up selecting until the following summer. And then, you know, there's the club protection rules of it's, it's eight skate and a goalie basically for each team and then first and second year pros and players with no move clause are exempt so with that and out of the way um i i think that before we actually kind of go sort of team by team and, and bring up the interesting scenarios i think the question if you're building this vegas team if you're if you're george mcphee is can you afford to approach it with a longer term perspective where you play it smart and collect cheap young assets and really just kind of bide your time? Or is it one of those things where, you know, you're, you're a professional hockey team in Vegas, you need to bring in some more household brand names that'll potentially draw fans to the building and, and get excitement going and make you competitive right from the jump? And, or is it, I guess, possible to do a little bit of both without necessarily sacrificing one or the other? And I don't think that George has answered that question yet. I mean, certainly I, I would love to know what he was thinking when Bill Foley was on stage this week and said that he wants them to win a cup in six years. Because, you know, let's face it, there's there's no precedent whatsoever for that in any prior expansion. And, and even though there's been a lot of, 
you know, sort of public talk that this is going to be the best expansion draft ever. The, the more I look at it, uh, the more skeptical I am that they're going to get a lot of, you know, what we would call pieces that are going to help them be a winner right away. I mean, maybe they'll get lucky and one or two guys will slip through the cracks, but uh, it's going to be difficult. And, and, you know, the other added sort of wrinkle that has never existed in the past is that salary floor uh, that you referenced. And they're going to obviously have to take on some salary. They can't all just collect you know, players that, that are whatever that we would say maybe help out, add value around the margins or are young players that haven't got much of a chance in other organizations in the NHL. I mean, they're going to have to bring on some significant cap hits. And, you know, I'm sure that, that they're mindful of, of not wanting to, to get too many guys that are going to give them problems down the road that are going to be contracts they're desperate to get rid of, you know, two or three years in. Yeah. Well, I, over on TSN, uh, Frank Saravelli and, and Craig Button did an interesting exercise where they did a mock draft and they made up a few, brought up a few points in terms of, you know, you want to take as many, as many defensemen as you can just because they are sort of the hottest trade commodities moving forward and you want to stay as close to that 43.8 million just so you provide yourself with financial flexibility. But the thing that I brought, thought was interesting was they brought up how, uh, you might want to be more inclined to take guys that have expiring contracts in 2017, 2018 just so that you could, uh, be big players in, in that summer as you FA class, which looks like it's going to have a bunch of interesting, intriguing names. So I, I don't know. It, it's it's tough because uh, obviously George McPhee is saying all the right things, and they've already brought in a bunch of uh, interesting hockey minds into the mix there in that front office. So which gives me hope that they are going to approach this the right way. But at the same time, you can sort of see the the pressure there in terms of you know not being one of these expansion teams like in the past that just is you know this boring collection of players that no one really wants to watch. Like they they, they definitely want to make a splash and you can see that being the case so it's it's going to be a tough balance for him it is and, and no one's ever done this before like i know there's been expansion drafts but there's never been anything like this which is you know obviously why they're doing one monthly now among that group it's one of the reasons why they hired tom porzaska who uh, used to run the site general manager and it created a pretty interesting cap tool uh, expansion draft tool and and you know it was really on top of the I think kind of the way the rules are going and seeing certain situations, for example, he was the first to talk about Jared Cowan's contract last year, having a benefit to, to buy it out early and, and, you know, why he would be a trade chip. So I think that they're doing everything they can to try to anticipate, uh, you know, sort of what's going to arrive for them on June 17th. But until it happens, I mean, it's, it's difficult to know. And uh, you can have your strategies. And, and like anyone who's ever approached a fantasy draft, it's probably the best uh, example. You, you have all these ideas going in and then you get there in the heat of the moment and you don't always end up with what you want. And I think that that's really what they're trying to protect about, that, that they go in with clear minds, that they fully understand all the permutations of the rules and that they, they build a team that, Okay, yeah, maybe it's a chance to win some games next year in their first season, but ultimately they don't want to end up with a bunch of pieces that are going to get in the way of having a good team in the years following that. Yeah, and it definitely, you know, they are being put into a position to succeed just by the rules. They're definitely more forgiving than they have been in the past. But at the same time, I mean, once you start kind of going through the names of potential options for them, you do quickly realize that while there's going to be intriguing uh, options in the back end, on the blue line and and in, in net, I feel like... You know, you're really going to have to hit, hit a home run with like a lottery pick here in terms of high upside uh, offensive talent just because it's a bunch of like third and fourth liners. And, and there's some intriguing guys that have shown flashes, but I haven't necessarily put it together yet. And you could potentially uh, find like hidden gems there. But you're not you're not going to get any guy that's all of a sudden just going to move the needle completely for you and score 30, 40 goals uh, in, in 2017. 
No, it would take a miracle for that guy somehow to slip through the cracks. I mean, uh, they're going to still have to build through the entry draft, as you're referencing there with their lottery. Uh, I mean, that's a benefit, is that they're going to get the third best odds uh, to win the lottery, and maybe they, they get some good draft picks early that can help. But, you know, I, that six-year goal, man, I just cringed when I heard that. I understand why Bill Foley's excited, but if he's putting that pressure on that hockey ops department, I just don't see how reasonably that can be expected based on where they're starting. Yeah. Okay, so let's look at some of those options. And, and as I mentioned, uh, if I anyone that doesn't checked it out, they should go on sportsnet.ca and check out the uh, the fine work you did in in publishing the uh, the sixty six names that uh, will have to be um, are, are exempt that are mostly because of no move clauses and injuries. Um, and and there's obviously you know a handful of teams that there's no they don't have anyone on that list, so it's much more difficult to sort of figure out uh, where they're going to go with this, if they're going to make any moves to keep guys and get under that limit, or, or what they're going to do. But then there are a few teams like say Anaheim for example which has put themselves in a bit of a tricky spot here with some of the contracts they've given out in the past to to aging veterans because they're going to have to keep Bieksa, Kessler, Perry and Getzlaff and while you know the last two guys would have been obviously kept no matter what and Kessler's having a nice year this year um, you know having to keep a guy like Kevin Bieksa at the the expense of potentially using a a better younger player uh, is a pretty tough pill to swallow for them. It is and and, you know they have both the I mean, there's two options, right? You can protect seven forwards, three defensemen, or one goalie, or eight skaters, which would allow you to protect more than three defensemen and one goalie. And, and, you know, they're the one team that I think that this most pressingly applies to about what you do in that case. I mean, with Kevin Bieksa, perhaps they buy him out. Perhaps they convince him to weigh that that no-move clause uh, to be exposed for Vegas or maybe even in a trade ahead of time. But, you know, if not... uh, my goodness, they have some work to do on their blue line because I think we would all agree as they're they're composed today that they don't want to lose Hampus Lindholm. Uh, they don't want to move Cam Fowler or lose Cam Fowler in the expansion draft. They don't want to lose Sammy Votnin. Uh, you know, Josh Manson even is a player there that that is very well thought of. I mean, that's 4D right there, and that doesn't include Kevin Bieksa, who has to be protected as we stand right now. And, and they also want to win a Stanley Cup this year. So I think that they're far more reluctant now to, to say deal a Cam Fowler away than they were at the draft last year when they were discussing trade possibilities. So, you know, they're, they're probably in the toughest spot of any team right now um, because then you add in the three forwards that, that have to be uh, protected, you know, not protected among that list is guys like Ricard Raquel, mm-hmm. uh, Jakob Silverberg. Um, you know, there, there are players – there that that you know they can still i guess make trades to make this work but i think it's going to be very difficult to, for them to to really uh ensure that they're losing a, a true fourth liner or something of that nature or a seventh d i mean um you know this is probably the the one situation vegas is eyeing with the biggest eyes just just looking at the way the team's composed yeah i mean especially on that on that blue line because you mentioned Lindholm and vatnan and i honestly think that I would have to think long and hard about protecting Josh Manson over Cam Fowler at this point, just because I think that he has shown uh, an, an ability to, to play some really good hockey. And I didn't kind of came out of nowhere for me, but I've been very impressed by him. And then obviously, you know, uh, you can't let a guy like Ricardo Raquel go. So does that mean that Jake Silverberg is all of a sudden available? And he'd instantly, I feel like, be like the... 
the highest upside forward that any team is going to expose. So it, it, it's it's tough. I, I kind of wonder if you're an opposing GM, do you view Anaheim as a team that you should be just calling on a regular basis now and trying to get one of these guys for for cheaper than he's actually worth in a vacuum just because, uh, you know, anything they can get, even if it's 50 cents on the dollar or whatever, will help them as opposed to just losing them for nothing? Or are the Ducks in a position where they view themselves as a contender this season and, you know, trading away a guy like Silverberg for, for peanuts is not something that seems very enticing for a team that's trying to win? That yeah, and it's uh, such a fine line to walk, and and you know obviously there's there's room um, for Bob Murray to to review where his team's at, you know, still before the trade deadline. He doesn't have to make this decision, you know, now, and and I think that that likely they're going to try to wait this out and see where they're at and be sure that they're a contender because. Um, you know, you don't want to lose these players for nothing. I think that's what it comes down to for all these situations. I'm sure we'll talk about the Penguins goaltending mm-hmm. uh, with Marc-Andre Fleury having to be protected. I mean, uh, teams just don't want to give those those type of players away if they don't have to. And I think that when push comes to shove, they will take 50 or 75 cents on the dollar in a trade uh, in order to make sure that, that they're not just handing those players to Vegas. And, you know, really that's that's the challenge for, for Vegas is, is they're going to see a, a shuffling of these type of names, um, you know, probably leading into that trade deadline. And it's going to be frustrating because essentially the, the pool that they're choosing from, I think it's only going to get worse than where it stands today, uh, you know, based on what they've been able to do in their initial mock draft. Yeah, I just I just envision like George McPhee sitting in his office, receiving a phone call and then just like shaking his head and walking up and just crossing a name off with a big black Sharpie on, on his board. Just like uh, the one they got away. We could have had Silverberg and now we can't. You might you might be surprisingly correct. I don't think that that's a totally uh, fantasy land kind of vision. Just knowing the work that they've already put in. Yeah. Um, okay. So Anaheim's an interesting team to, to keep in mind for that. I think that another sort of sneaky interesting team is Columbus, just because their list of guys that they have to keep based on their contracts is, is long. And obviously having to keep a guy like David Clarkson uh, throws a wrench into their plans, just because they have an interesting collection of young talent and there I don't see how they're going to be able to keep it all unless they do some some tinkering here I mean they have to keep Obrovsky, Clarkson, Dubinsky, Felino, and Hartnell and then that leaves uh, an interesting list of guys where you know Seth Jones are obviously going to keep uh, Brennan Saw they're obviously going to keep and then it's like do you keep Cam Atkinson or Boone Jenner or or, or do you just give up on Ryan Murray at this point or, or, or are you still in on him like what does Columbus do at that point? Yeah, and maybe their biggest issue could be in in goal. You know, with Sergei Bobrovsky having a no move, you know, he's automatically protected and and they have a couple prospects that are well thought of in in Junis Corposalo and Anton Forsberg, you know, two of the goalies that essentially helped them uh, win uh, the Calder Cup last year in Cleveland. And, and, you know, I I would think, depending on what this season means for those guys, that you know, the Vegas might be enticed to take one of them just because they're young goalie prospects that are thought of well. And, and you know, there's no way, you know, outside of Columbus dealing away goalie Bob, which I just don't see happening, uh, that, that they're not going to be exposed. So um, that that will probably be the choice for Vegas. Do, do they want to take one of the young goalies here or, you know, do they, they look elsewhere? I mean, uh, I'm sure uh, I know probably not a friend of the PDO cast would be Jack Johnson, given uh, his numbers. I mean, I could see him being exposed and, and you, you hit on the right guys up front. Cam Atkinson, Boone Jenner, you know, one or both of those guys uh, potentially could be exposed. I mean, it's it's going to be 
a tough choice because I think, you know, based on the start that uh, Alex Wenberg's had, you know, they're going to protect him. Um, you know, it, it's it's sort of, an, I guess the one good thing for Columbus is that, you know, it looks like David Clarkson, for example, is basically long-term injured, not expected ever to play in the NHL again. You know, he's he's likely going to be exempted from this process. Oh, uh, I think the NHL, the NHL doesn't want, those type of guys. It includes Nathan Horton, uh, who's on the Leafs books, and uh, Ryan Klo as well in New Jersey. You know, they don't want those guys it, it, part of this process at all, even if they waive a no move, uh, because I don't think they want Vegas adding kind of that that dead salary to get to the floor. Uh, you know, at least that's my sense right now. So, you know, at least Columbus will get one one bonus in losing uh, the Clarkson deal from the ones that they have to protect. But, um, you know, I, I don't see any way that that they're not going to have to. You know, expose a, a pretty good player in this, and you know, might just be the goalie that they end up losing. Yeah, yeah. Well, that'd be huge for them if uh, that I, I didn't know that about Clarkson. So yeah, that it definitely makes the decision a little bit easier for them. Um, the the Wild are also interesting to me because they have a glut of uh, of young defensemen, and it looks like you know they're going to keep Suter. Obviously, they they have to because of his no move and. I think uh, Jared Spurgeon is a lock to be kept as well, and and Matt Dumba just based on how highly regarded he is in the league, and all of a sudden that that opens the door for a guy like Jonas Berdine, for example. But the interesting thing for me in in that regard is that you know a few years ago I remember during that rookie season uh, when it was like Brendan Dillon and Jonas Brodine, and, and and they were taking the league by storm, and and I was so high on both of them, and it's weird. And Dillon's looked a bit better this year playing with a guy who can move in David Schlemko, but for whatever reason. Brodeen just hasn't developed the way that I thought he would, and and he's one of those players that's that's immensely frustrating to me, just because you look you look at him and he should be better and more productive than he actually is, but then you look at the numbers and sort of everything that's coming together and it's just not adding up for him. No, it has been a tough go, and and you know maybe Vegas rolls the dice on him. No pun intended. I mean, he's twenty three years old, and and uh, you you hope maybe that that there's still something more you can get out of him that you can uh, work on his game. I mean that that. That to me looks like a good option. We should mention too, because I know Chuck Fletcher's one of the GMs that's that's kind of been open about this. Is that uh, with with this process, Vegas is going to be allowed uh, to make deals with teams. Uh, they all have to basically go through a trade call and be above board. Where hypothetically speaking, um, you know Minnesota trades them. I don't know. Let's say a second round pick in exchange for not selecting, well, let's call it Jonas Brodeen, just for mm-hmm. argument's sake in this case. And, and uh, you know, they can start having those conversations, you know, after March 1st, uh, which times well uh, with the, the three-day GMs meeting a little later in March in Florida when, you know, a lot of this, I think, will really be in the forefront by then when, when everyone's together and it's 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 quite close. And, and, you know, it's something I know that Chuck Fletcher is aware of with, with him having these no moves, the, the three guys up front, uh, Ryan Suter plus those those young defensemen. I mean, uh, that that he he's going to be in the market, I think, to you know try to protect more of his assets by by maybe giving up a, a draft pick or something to to Vegas, and you know that that'll be an interesting sort of component to this because uh, Doug McLean, uh, my my colleague at uh, Sportsnet, was regaling me last night with all the under the table deals he made uh, in back in the 2000 expansion draft when he's putting together Columbus Blue Jackets, you know, basically having certain players signed ahead of time, having uh, deals cooked up with teams on trades, and you know I think the NHL is going to do the best it can to make sure everything's more above board this year and then part of that will be you know these sort of trades to protect players rights yeah 
Yeah. Hey, Chris, uh, don't be don't be selfish. Doug's my 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 coworker as well as here at Sportsnet. That's true. And uh, man, he's got some good stories off air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on to the Rangers who uh, have some decisions ahead of them because, um, you know, they have to keep a guy like Dan Girardi, which really throws a wrench into things. And, and they have such a, a, a fascinating collection of young forwards that, you know, I, I'm just not sure how it's going to play out for them because uh, they have to keep Rick Nash, which I think was was that something that you know was you made it seem like in your article that was, it was sort of up in the air and maybe they were uh, approaching this planning that they weren't going to have to keep him. Is that something that kind of caught them uh, off guard? I think the Rangers had a pretty good idea that that Rick was going to be protected, but. Uh, the rest of the league didn't necessarily. And, and you know, certainly on uh, Cap Friendly's site and, and general manager when it was still running, he was the most popular player exposed that, that more more people than any other uh, had going to Vegas. And, you know, simply because he's getting older, the Rangers have some cap issues, they have the players you're talking about, and he has a $7.8 million cap hit. And there was a little confusion with his contract. It was the deal he signed with Columbus originally, and initially it had a full no-move uh, for five seasons, and then it was downgraded to a uh, 12-team trade list after the fifth year. Uh, but but what people didn't realize is it also kept the no-move portion when it came to waivers or the minors. And you know the way the NHL ultimately started interpreting those deals is that that also included included a no-move and an expansion draft. So you know, I think his name was a surprise to some that have uh, been playing around with the the mock drafts, and and um, you know now that he has to be protected. Uh, it it does it does add an extra little bit here. You know, I have to wonder about Dan Girardi. We've I, I know he's he's someone that the organization has been pretty loyal to, but uh, ultimately, I don't know if again if it's going to be a case of getting him to waive his no move to go to Vegas or potentially contemplating a buyout or or you know what it is that will will keep him out of this process. But you know, to me, there has to be some flexibility there because of you know there's a lot of miles on on him at this point and and. You know he's he's been scratched a couple times and, and sort of gray whether it's injury or performance related and you know he is under contract for another couple of years but um, you know I I have to think that that'll be one area where if they can get him not to be included among the players they have to protect it at least gives them uh, one more spot because you know you you look among their forward group and it's there's a lot of guys there I mean they're going to want to keep Derek Step on I would think Chris Kreider Matt Zuccarello. Uh, Mika Zabinajad, uh, who's out injured now, but uh, was off to a great start with them. Um, you know, even maybe a guy like Oscar Lindbergh. I'm not sure. Where, you know, there's there's various players, and and you know, I think the Rangers are another team susceptible to maybe giving Vegas a, a forward that can be of some use, uh, maybe not quite as useful as Jacob Silverberg if he ends up being a player uh, that they get, but. Um, you know, the, the Rangers are in a tough spot. And, and then the other thing, of course, is they're off to a great start. And uh, some of it looks to be PDO driven, but still that they're they're in a great position to, to try to make a run and, and have a good uh, playoff run. And I'm sure they're not going to want to compromise any ability to win this year in order to to worry about which player they're going to lose in June. Yeah, yeah, no, they they definitely seem like the type of team that would be pushing their chips all in as opposed to kind of thinking thinking in advance. And I don't know, it, it's tough. I mean, obviously, you mentioned all those players, and there's guys like JT Miller and Kevin Hayes who they who they have to find a way to keep. So I, I think they could be one of these teams that could really use a an, lose an intriguing young talent, and, and that's good for Vegas. Um, another interesting team is Tampa Bay. And before we started recording, uh, you were 
kind of hinting at the fact that there could be an interesting little loophole in terms with with a guy like Ben Bishop, for example, in terms of how Vegas would approach, uh, you know, negotiating with with him and and whether they could get him and another guy off Tampa Bay as well at the same time. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Well, it's funny because the league has been hearing complaints both from the Vegas side and from GMs uh, worried about this window because during the expansion window, they're, they're allowed to talk to players that are pending UFAs. And, you know, one thing uh, Vegas has been worried about is that, uh, you know, basically a team like Tampa, this isn't the hypothetical, it's not their specific concern, at least that I know that they voice, could say to Ben Bishop, who's an unrestricted free agent, look, we're going to sign you. Here's the contract. Um, but we're not going to sign until after the expansion draft because if they were to sign up before the expansion draft, they could only protect one of Ben Bishop or Andre Vasilevsky. And, and I think Vegas is worried that you know some of these deals could basically be in the drawer uh, waiting and, until after the expansion draft just to, to leave Tampa better set up for, for handling expansion. Whereas I think what the, the teams are concerned about, uh, you know, a team like the Lightning, is that you know, during that window of the expansion, Vegas is also allowed to talk to UFAs and they're allowed to sign them during that period. You know, and if, if they were to sign Ben Bishop, who is a pending unrestricted free agent in mid-June, they wouldn't be allowed to claim anyone else off Tampa's roster. But, you know, I think that the Lightning, among other teams, have kind of been wondering out loud, well, what happens if they make the deal with Ben Bishop and say, hey, we'll sign you on July 1st? also take someone off the roster and then get Ben anyway two weeks later that that there isn't a lot of good feeling about that and you know what the league's response essentially has been look all of this is circumvention of the cap if if uh, it's not playing by the rules if any of this gets done and you get caught I mean it's it's it, minimum first round draft pick taken away in penalty and and pretty significant fine as well but uh, there's already a lot of suspicion I can say in speaking with GMs that there's going to be some funny business here uh, and you know I'm not sure how you entirely prevent it yeah. so I think the Ben Bishop case will be interesting uh, if he ends up finishing the year in Tampa uh, just to see where he signs and if if Vegas is involved in any way because you know we're still seven months away there's a lot of things that can happen in the meantime but i know there's already some concern that uh, that that he's the type of player where you could see a bit of funny business come into play yeah it's an it's it's kind of a peculiar case because i think ben bishop is a perfectly fine goalie and, and a very adequate nhl starter as he's proven in, in the past few years but i don't think that you know tampa bay is a team that's trying to compete right now but i, I don't think that vasilevsky in net you know is a downgrade at all it might actually be an upgrade based on the way he's playing this season and and if Vegas was able to sign a guy like Bishop and then still get a, another player from Tampa Bay, that would be just like a best case scenario for them because you look at, at the players that Tampa's going to have to expose. And I feel like, you know, one of Alex Kalorin or Vlad Nemesnikov is going to be uh, available if Bishop is a guy that doesn't, is, isn't on that list, right? Because they have to keep Filpula, Stamkos, and Callahan. And then you have Druen, Kucherov, Palat, and then Tyler Johnson. So it leaves one of those really interesting forwards uh, for Vegas to scoop up. Yeah, and it's tough unless they can maybe somehow get Ryan Callahan. Uh, out of his no move clause, uh, you know, it's going to be tough for them. Even, you know, sort of if we put the, the goalie conversation aside, you know, they just got such a great group of players. There's no coincidence. They've been the best, one of the best teams in the league here the last few years. And, and um, you know, I, I do think Tampa, you know, Vlad Nemesnikov to me looks like the guy that is likely to be the odd man out uh, based on how things are, are shaping up uh, right now. And, 
you know, it's it's going to be an interesting year for Lightning. You know, they've, they've been uh, doing the tango a little bit with the, the cap as it was, but, you know, they also have Johnson and Plot. Uh, up for restricted free agency this summer, so that they're going to have two more, you know, pretty key pieces to what they're doing uh, to sign ahead. And you know, pretty clearly to me, anyway, this is going to be Ben Bishop's last year as a Lightning. It just will be interesting to see if he finds his way to Vegas. I mean, the other thing for him, quite honestly, is he's shaping up to be maybe one of the bigger names on the UFA market entirely, but certainly the biggest goaltending name. And, you know, it probably doesn't doesn't do him any justice to do any side deals. He should just wait till all 31 teams have a fair chance at him and see what, what, what sort of offers come his way. Right. Well, I remember, I don't know how much of this was factual and how much of it was just speculation, but I remember in the summer uh, before Calgary traded for Brian Elliott, there was rumors that they were talking to the Lightning about Bishop and it was contingent on him signing an extension. And it, and it seemed like, at least his asking price was was uh, was, was pretty large, at least in, in terms of both term and money. So it's going to be kind of curious to see as as people are wising up to the fact that you don't really want to invest, you know, five, six, seven years into these goalies just because their performance is so volatile. Uh, what kind of market there will be for a guy like Ben Bishop this summer? Yeah, goalies, man, it's it's tough when you're talking about trading them and signing them, isn't it? I mean. Uh, you don't see a lot of them really get to, to UFA status, the, the the really good ones. And, you know, even in Ben's case, he's 30 years old. He's, you know, had some untimely injuries. I'm not sure we can call him injury prone, but he's just happened to be injured the last couple of playoffs when it got to the big games for the Lightning. And, and you know, it, it's going to be tough for him to to maybe get the money he wants. And, you know, in the Calgary situation at the draft last year, a trade was completed and, and it got as far as where Ben's agent was talking with the Flames about an extension and they couldn't come to a deal, which is why that trade never happened. Yeah. Um, are there any names, notable ones that we haven't discussed yet that would be like, are going to be kind of hot button topics or, or guys that are going to generate a lot of attention moving forward? I, I think the Penguins and, and the goalies is probably, it, it's a tough one to skip. I mean, uh, we all saw what happened last year during the playoff run, and even now, Matt Murray, I believe, as we're talking today, has won six of the last seven games. He's off to a good start since he's returned from his injury, and you know it's it's left a lot of teams around the league, uh, certainly the ones that are looking for a goalie, wondering what's going to happen with Mark Andre Fleury. And you know, I think Jim Rutherford is is still wanting to be patient with how he approaches this and in, in, in thinking, first of all, that, that this is a very compact season. You know, Matt Murray's never played a full year in the NHL, even though he did win them a Stanley Cup or help win them a Stanley Cup last spring. And, and you know, they're, they're cognizant of not putting too much on his plate uh, too soon. But that being said, that, you know, if, if this gets you know, to the trade deadline or, or even beyond it, it, it might be tough for them to get any value. And we know, you know, historically it's tough to get any value anyway out of a, a goalie trade, but that Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, I think would have some suitors uh, if, if Pittsburgh was willing to deal him. So I think that this is, this is probably the biggest name um, and the biggest pending decision that, that is likely to be made by March 1st uh, this year. And it's, you know, it's all around uh, the expansion draft. If, if there was no expansion draft this year, I've, I have no doubt that they would just go with Fleury and Murray again as sort of a tandem and, and have, you know, what they feel is the ultimate insurance if either got hurt or went through a bout of bad play to win another Stanley Cup. But, but I think ultimately Pittsburgh is going to soon have to start listening to some offers and considering what they do with Marc-Andre Fleury because Matt Murray does look like the number one and, and obviously him being, uh, you know, basically 10 years younger uh, than Fleury, he's seen as the future uh, in addition to the present. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, something to monitor. Oh, one other name before we uh, get out of here that's been generating buzz is a guy that could potentially be exposed, which I which kind of caught me off guard. But then as I gave it more thought, it, it makes a bit more sense is, uh, is, is a guy like Anthony Mantha in, in Detroit where, you know, he's been so he was obviously came in with pedigree and he's been pretty productive in the AHL. We haven't necessarily seen it yet from him at the NHL level, but you know, you look at the list of guys that they could conceivably keep ahead of them, and it makes sense that a team that's so uh, loyalty-based and so just invested in their veterans would keep some of these guys who might have less uh, upside and less of a future just, you know, in, in spite of a guy like Manta. So I don't, I don't know. Do you think someone like him could be left unprotected? I think he's a he's a fairly good bet, you know, because you know, really the choice for Detroit comes down to do they expose Henrik Zetterberg, who doesn't have to be exposed. Uh, he's not required to. He doesn't have a no move clause. You know, he's obviously 36. He's the captain. He's been there forever and, and is is viewed very you know favorably by the organization. You know, he's still got I think three or four years on his contract at over six million dollars of a cap hit. And you know he you, know, you could there's a valid argument that if they left him exposed that he wouldn't be taken by Vegas that that he's exactly the kind of guy we were talking about at the outset that it's just too much term and too much money at this stage of his career to to make that move but you know from Detroit's standpoint I think that it would be a sensitive subject if they left him exposed and he was claimed they they wouldn't want that to happen and you know as a result it's it's going to have a direct impact on who they do leave. Uh, you know, open to to be taken, and Anthony Manta looks like to me. You know, just doing the mock drafts myself is is one of the guys that that could go. So, uh, you know, this isn't entirely unprecedented. I think if you if you look at Montreal's situation, you know, Thomas Placanek is a guy that falls into a similar category where you know they're they're going to have to make that that call about risking leaving him exposed, not because they want to lose him, but just gambling that Vegas won't want. Uh, that type of player at the cap hit he's at and the age he's at, but uh, you know a bit of a sensitive subject in both cases because you know those both those guys, be it Zetterberg and Placanek, have meant a lot to the teams they've been on and have been pretty loyal soldiers over the years. Well, that is an interesting thing to consider just because, you know, it's easy for us to sit back here and play with all these uh, expansion tools and, and, and try to figure out who's going to be uh, left unprotected and who's going to be available. But it is so much of this business is uh, managing personalities and keeping good relations. And I, I imagine it would be kind of a, a just like a real a punch to the gut if you if you saw that your name was on this list. Right. It's like it kind of speaks to what, how the organization thinks of you. So there's the teams are going to have to tread very carefully here with some of these uh, aging veterans who have done so much for their franchises already. Well, and I'm sure that the great lengths are going to be taken to try to keep the list private. I mean, essentially the way it works is at 5 p.m. on the 17th of June, you know, all the protected lists have to be in. And then uh, on June 20th at 5 p.m., so 72 hours later, exactly, Vegas, you know, submits its picks to the league or by that, that deadline. And the next day, this is all announced. So in some cases, I think it's entirely possible we're not ever going to know that, say, a Thomas Placanek was was left unprotected, especially if he, obviously if he's not claimed. It, we might never know that, but you know, it's it's a tricky situation, and I think teams are going to decide have to decide, you know, do they want to share that with a player's agent during that time, just so that they're not caught totally off guard, or you know, how they want to handle that. And and I think especially for teams that have been good and have lots of good players, I mean. It's just a reality. They're, they're not going to be able to protect them all. They're not going to be able to insulate themselves, you know, from from this type of thing. And, uh, you know, we could see some hurt feelings, I guess, out of this, in addition to even with guys that end up staying put and don't get claimed by the Vegas team. 
Well, I mean, it's 2016 and I feel like this stuff generally tends to get out. And uh, I feel especially confident about that, knowing that people like yourself are uh, snooping around and trying to get to the bottom of it. I hate to admit it, but that will be <laughs> goal number one during those 72 hours of mine is just trying to, to, to nail down exactly what the pool looks like that they're choosing from. Yeah, I'm looking forward to all of it and uh, all the discussion that we're going to have in the in the weeks and months leading up to it. Um, everyone can follow Chris at, at Chris, reporter Chris on, on Twitter, but I'm sure they're doing so already for all of his coverage. And uh, hopefully we'll get you back on next time uh, something like this drops. It won't be long if, uh, if I have my say in it, Dimitri. Okay, talk soon, man. Thanks. The Hockey PDO Cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockeypdocast. Looking for a new podcast to listen to? Here's what we love courtesy of ACAST Recommends. Hey there, I'm Reza Aslan. Each week on my new podcast, Rough Draft, I sit down for cocktails and conversations with the writers who are changing the landscape of contemporary culture. And it's not just literature. It's writers of all kinds, like rapper-activist Vic Mensa, Rami Youssef from Hulu's Rami, and award-winning poet Robin Costa Lewis. These conversations are wild, thought-provoking, and a whole lot of fun. We're going to dive into not only how they write, but why they write. That's Rough Draft with Reza Aslan. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A cash recommends. <laughs>